is tough, rewarding, fun, hectic, and everything in between. And every Monday, it starts all over again. This is a podcast for moms by a mom, where we'll discuss everything from parenting to families, entertainment to health and fitness, and much more. Welcome to Monday Moms with your host, Tara Gray. Welcome to Monday Moms. I'm Tara Gray. My guest today is Chloe Edwards, Outreach Coordinator of Voices for Virginia's Children. It's a statewide advocacy organization for children. Chloe focuses on trauma-informed policy and practice. Chloe completed the Minority Research and Law Institute program at Southern University's Law Center. Graduated from Holland University with a Bachelor of Arts in English. Chloe will graduate with her Master's of Public Policy with a Leadership Concentration from Liberty University in August of this year. Welcome, Chloe. Thank you for having me. Yes, I could have continued on your <laughs> on your bio introduction, so um, <laughs> I'm happy to have you. It is nice to have you uh, become part of Monday Moms. When did you join Voices? And so I just uh, had my two-year university uh, anniversary at Voices for Virginia's Children, so two oh, years okay. ago in 2018. We have a lot to share. Um, I think probably the best way to start is the website and the social media. And I noticed all of them are the same, <laughs> all the social media. It's very easy to remember. So did you want to share the website and the social media? You can visit voices at www.vakids.org and on social media. You can also follow us at VA kids on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Okay. Voices is celebrating 25 years. So I would like to start off by talking about trauma-informed policy. What does that mean? So Voices is actually Virginia's only multidisciplinary organization as far as child advocacy goes. We specialize in early childhood education, mental health, health, uh, Family Economic Security. We're also home to the Kids Count Data Center uh, and uh, participate in foster care advocacy as well. We launched a campaign for a trauma informed Virginia actually when I came on at Voices. Um, I came on to expand our outreach team in order to uh, implement the campaign for a trauma informed Virginia. We have traveled the state and provide technical assistance to trauma informed community networks. There's 26 of them currently. And what we do is we look for trends and patterns to challenges to trauma-informed care as well as um, best practices to implement trauma-informed care. Because of our multidisciplinary uh, status as an organization, we have created a unified policy agenda around trauma-informed care for the past two years. And really, it's a lens that we apply uh, through our work in order to invest in state policy and practices around trauma-informed care. Okay. That actually kind of answers the question that I was going to ask you. How is Voices different than local nonprofits or agencies? Right. So we're a policy organization. Um, okay. And many advocates... Um, don't realize that they have access to their public officials. Anyone can communicate to their public officials. And what we do is we provide the tools and resources for advocates to communicate 
to their public officials and advocate for children's issues um, that impact family and children through policy. Okay. On the website under our work, you will find Campaign for a Trauma-Informed Virginia. Would you like to elaborate on the program and how children are reached and connected with voices? All right. So we're not a direct service organization. So that answers uh, part of your last question. Mm -hmm. What we do is we speak to folks that are on the ground at the grassroots level that are participating in direct service to children and families. Um, and these are the, the individuals that inform our work with the Campaign for a Trauma Informed Virginia. Coming up soon, we will have a, a, another policy meeting to talk about the next steps of the campaign. And with COVID-19 and Black Lives Matter, um, two issues that have largely impacted the way in which we do our work, the campaign mm -hmm. will likely change as a result of the now um, needs of the community. And so we'll decide the, the next steps of the campaign for trauma informed Virginia this month. Okay. But our work is informed by the community and the folks that are doing the work at the ground level. Okay. And you just mentioned COVID, obviously. <laughs> How has it affected the events or the ability mm -hmm. to receive donations? How... Um, you guys are operating. So COVID-19, uh, when the pandemic came, we had just finished our session successes for um, this past General Assembly session. Um, and, and each year we, we do have a successful year in advocating on behalf of children and families issues. But uh, a, a lot of the uh, funding has been paused not necessarily removed for uh, the policies that we advocated for, but paused. And so there will be a special session coming um, likely in August where we will need to advocate on behalf of some of the funding that has been paused to prove that it is still needed um, and it's still urgent to implement at the state level. That's how it's affected our policy agenda particularly. Now, of course, um, from a development angle, uh, our, I can't speak on behalf of our development team, but they're all working to uh, be creative with how we uh, recruit donations. We did have an event planned this year as far as a conference goes uh, that we had to cancel because of COVID-19. Mm -hmm. So we're all in just um, trying to sustain our work and, and be creative in how we do our work because of the impact of COVID-19. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the Racial Truth and Reconciliation Week, Art and Activism. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to speak about that, um, I have took a look at it. At, from what I understand, artwork can be submitted by July 20th, but before you need to get into um, the dates and all about it, I think it's a great, a great thing you guys are doing. Racial Truth and Reconciliation Week came out of a conversation with the trauma-informed community network leaders of color. While there are 26 trauma-informed community networks, there are only about six networks that are led by leaders of color. And so we still need to increase representation in the trauma-informed care field as far as um, ensuring that it reflects the community that we are serving. Uh, so. 
we knew that we wanted to respond to the disproportionate impact of COVID-19 on communities of color. And we also knew that we needed to respond to the resurfacing of momentum around Black Lives Matter. And some networks have, and those are included, have been included in the conversation as far as what they're doing in response to Black Lives Matter. But what the idea that we came up with in response to what's currently occurring at the state and national level was Racial Truth and Reconciliation Week. There was a Resilience Week that took place in May, um, but we wanted to ensure the impacts of racial, culture, cultural, and historical trauma were evenly uh, portrayed and highlighted at the state and hopefully soon national level. And so that is how Racial Truth and Reconciliation Week occurred. Uh, you can visit our website at bakids.org to see the mission of the week, but it's to empower communities of color uh, to tell their truths and to also uh, promote truth and reconciliation through experiences, the retelling of history, and um, through the portrayal of the experiences of oppression that communities of color have. Um, and so this will take place August 2nd to August 8th. It'll be virtual events. The arts and activism showcases just a piece of the week that highlights resiliency through art, but also activism through art. There will also be virtual events. We're planning uh, our ancestors' dreams series in partnership with the Legislative Black Caucus. We're also hoping to have a politicians and advocate series um, to tell the experiences of advocates uh, through the platforms of politicians that impact the experiences of advocates. And there are also community chats planned that highlight health inequities, COVID-19 and Black Lives Matter, um, adverse childhood experience trainings at the state level and et cetera. So I hope folks can uh, participate. You can also visit our Facebook, facebook.com, vakids, um, to say you're going to the event as well. And it's also on our website, vakids.org. Okay. I looked uh, at a video, I guess it was from a past event, um, Damaged Girl. And mm -hmm. that video where um, I guess the artist is explaining the piece, is that how this one is going to go, being as it's going to be virtual? Will they make videos and send them in, or is this going to be live? So for the Arts and Activism Showcase, it'll be a virtual showcase. Damaged Girl is one of the pieces from our uh, advocacy day that took place back in uh, January. But all of the events will be virtual. It'll be on Facebook. They'll either be pre-recorded or live, and they'll okay. be posted on our page if folks missed it. Okay. The um, kids count section, the Virginia data, it's uncomfortable statistics statewide. So this chart, obviously, it's on the website. It kind of it kind of shocked me. The Richmond region in particular, one in three children in the Richmond region is considered economically disadvantaged. Hampton Roads seem to make up the biggest piece of that pie. As far as data on the website, 
According to it, it's black and Latino children grow up in families that struggle to meet basic needs, while white children make up the largest number of economically disadvantaged children in the Commonwealth. How is that data collected? It was very interesting. I really was shocked when I took a look at that. So we have over um, 150 indicators uh, for for our data. Um, there are different indicators for the state and local level. I'm not our, our research director could speak more on how the data is collected. Um, but this is through a partnership with the Annie Casey Foundation who funds our Kids Count Data Center. Um, and there is a different host in, in every single state for the Kids Count Data Centers and we are the Virginia host. Okay. With that knowledge, does Voices, obviously being a policy mm -hmm. organization, do, do you guys focus more on those counties then to become voices for those families and children? In other words, clearly one area has a bigger need than another area. So how does Voices um, help? So we inform our policy through our Kids Count Data Center. And so the strategy that we use is to have the data that shows the need for the policy that we advocate for. Um, to have the stories to contextualize the need mm -hmm. um, for our policy and to personalize the story when we're speaking to uh, public officials. And then lastly, we have our policy agenda, which introduces the solution for the issue that we're introducing um, that we hope that policy can be an intervention of. So that's the strategies that we use for, for all of our work. Um, but the data is very telling as it, yes. it proves <laughs> that the need is necessary. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I probably stared at it for, I mean, not five minutes, but I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. You know, it really does. It makes it real when you're looking at that pie chart and it's broken down. It's, it's even broken down into counties, uh, which is, yeah, it was just eye opening for me. Um, mm -hmm. On the website, there is faces uh, on the front line video story. Uh, critical work of family services. What, um, I guess, how does that assist in the policies um, of voices when you guys are advocating for these kids, um, the need for community and state support? So uh, one of the themes of our strategic plan is that there's a need for us to uh, provide more resources at the local level for our mm -hmm. work. Now, with COVID-19, we have engaged in national policy, state policy, but also um, engaged in, in local advocacy in some cases as well. Uh, for example, for the child care sectors in, in Fairfax mm -hmm. or Northern Virginia, for example. Oh, okay. Now, um, Faces of the Frontline uh, really tells the, the stories of the essential personnel and, and response to COVID-19, the folks that are being impacted by the pandemic um, at all levels, but but really the local level. And so through our work and, and through my work as outreach coordinator, I've been engaging with folks at the local level to hear how they're responding to COVID-19. And a lot of it is through uh, what you would call um, community uh, asset-based development or, or through mutual funds uh, at the local level, nonprofits partnering with public sectors to meet the needs of communities around food insecurity and, and 
uh, homelessness in, in many cases, which have been two mm-hmm. needs that we've noticed at yeah. the local level. Okay. Thank you. Chloe, it was really nice to speak with you. I can't believe it's already been 15 minutes. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me today. If anybody has any questions or would like to contact you, did you want to share your information or would you just direct them to the website? You all can visit vakids.org and you can also email me, Chloe, C-H-L-O-E, at vakids.org. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Chloe. Monday Moms is a production of T3 Media, LLC, and the Henrico Citizen. New episodes appear every Monday on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe today. For more sponsorship information, email Tara Gray at tara at henricocitizen.com.